then I think to myself, how did I get here? <laughs> you got your car. <laughs> We're leaning on my car. <laughs> Hello, everybody, and welcome to today's show. Today, we have the star of Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me on NPR and her own podcast, where she is the host and star of that as well. Nobody listens to Paula Poundstone. Ladies and gentlemen, drum roll, please, for the one, the only, the lovely, the talented Paula Poundstone. I, I, Hello, Paul. I'm not sure I hear that applause. Where could that have gone? <laughs> hey, Dingle, so, so nice to be with you. Thank you. And by the way, all right, as much as I would like to uh, to yes and what you just said, I am not the star of Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me. I am a panelist. Uh, uh, I am a recurring panelist on Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me. Peter Sagal is the star of Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me. Uh, He's the host. Oh, he, He's the host. But I, when I, you're on there... You're the star. Well, there. I'm going to start telling them that and see how many bookings I get. <laughs> no, you're just a you're just a blast to listen to on that show. It's always fun. Well, Whatever nice you're doing, hear. it's really resonating. And that's what I want to talk to you about today. I've known you for 40 years. But I never really talked about a process with any of my friends back in the ding ho or coming up through the ranks. It was always a very I found it a very solitary process, and there was no there was certainly no schools for it. There were no classes for it. And I always wondered how you did it. You know, I, I started doing open mic nights, which is yep. sort of the, that's, that's the community college of uh, stand-up <laughs> comedy, right? That's right. Um, that's right. Because unlike music, and I was so jealous of musicians during the, uh, the stay-at-home order uh, in the pandemic, um, unlike music, you, you cannot do it alone in your living room. You can memorize something if you choose. You can do that, but yeah. you cannot. You know everything that the 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 timing, knowing what to you know what to uh, uh, land on, all that stuff that has to be done with an audience in front of you because it has to do right. with how they respond. So. Uh, you know, open mic nights are sort of where you where you start with that, and yeah. um, and I remember, you know, back when we were at the Ding Ho, um, I mean, how big the crowds would be, and yeah. uh, I mean, it was a small club, but nonetheless, that club was packed on open yeah. mic night, and uh, on Lenny's show uh, on Wednesday nights, yeah, remember? exactly, yeah, <laughs> and and there was a huge list of people wanting to go on, and. Right. Uh, you know, none of us were particularly good at that point in our in our careers, but we all were, you know, uh, champing at the bit to to get on, and the crowd would be red hot, and then it would start to dwindle after, say, ten o'clock, or maybe yeah. even eleven, to start to get a little bit smaller, and uh, and and so every comic that went on, and there was somebody that was going to go on after them, they were really, and now when that that comic comes off, and and you know, 10 uh, audience members leave afterwards, right? So everybody's really anxious to get on stage where, while the crowd was still there. And I had a terrible habit of getting so nervous that I would get on and I would forget what I was going to say. Mm. And then I didn't know where I was in my five minutes. 
because I had memorized my five minutes. I would write yeah. it down on a piece of paper and literally memorize it. But then I would be thrown time-wise immediately. And everyone hated me because, <laughs> because they were so, you know, people, you could hear the sharpening of the knives back behind the bar. And uh, I used to shout out, those are for the lemons. <laughs> So I, I, when I first started, I would write stuff down in a very scripted yeah. way. I would time it with a, with a, a, a stopwatch. I'd yeah. be all right. But then when I would get on stage, because I couldn't remember what I was going to say because I was so nervous, I would be forced to say like, oh, look at the guy in the cardigan sweater or whatever, yeah. you know, yeah. and go to the audience or talk about something that was happening in the room at the moment. Um, and uh, at first, I thought that was like a sign of not being a very good comic. You know, the idea that I, I, I couldn't remember what I was doing. And then one day it dawned on me that the stuff that I did in the moment with the crowd that was clearly not prepared um, was often the heart of the show. Yeah. Or the heart of the, well, let's call it 10 minutes that, that I did of my five minute open mic set. Right. It was the most spontaneous and resonated, connected with the audience the most. Uh, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Well, by the way, folks, uh, Paula's going to be on Martha's Vineyard on uh, July 16th at the Martha's Vineyard Center for the Performing Arts in Oak Bluff. So check her out at paulapoundstone.com. And on the 17th, she's going to be at the Melody Tent in Hyannis, Massachusetts. Check her out. Tickets available, paulapoundstone.com. And also her podcast, you can get at paulapoundstone.com. And all her tour dates, paulapoundstone.com. So, Paula, so you're initially, like, we all started in open mics. But what I've noticed about you over the years, you're incredibly prolific. You've got books out. You've got multiple CDs, DVDs. You've won numerous awards. What is your process now as a seasoned performer like, do you take an idea and do you still write it out? Or do you just take the idea, the kernel of the idea and take it on stage? And your audiences, they're so, they're all familiar with you. So you have the incredible license. They're there to see you. So you can almost try stuff, right? It does make it a lot easier when you're not constantly trying to win people over. Yeah, I jot down notes of stuff. I always have right on the belt loop of my pants. I have a uh, a small pen. <laughs> so uh, I carry a small pen, and in my back pocket, I carry a small notebook so that when I think of something, I can write it down. Uh, so I'll write something down that I think of. The hardest part for me is even remembering to go to it on stage. Mm -hmm. So before I go on stage, I have this red notebook, like I'm a high school kid or something. I know, red folder. And before I go on stage, I flip through that folder for a little while. And, you know, there's honestly, there's stuff that's been in there for years that I've never done anything with. Mm. Um, there's stuff that's been in there for so long that I don't remember what it means anymore. <laughs> uh, and then there's stuff that, uh, you know, you try it out. And again, it's a little like, like bowling with uh, having an audience in front of you, it's like bowling with the, um, with the gutter guards. Uh, because yeah. being able to do it with an audience in front of you, as opposed to sitting at your desk writing, mm. um, being able to do it with an audience in front of you tells you when to stick and move. 
you know, when to, when it's over. Uh, I mean, for a long time when I, when I wrote, when I would write out a long piece and then memorize it and take it on stage, sometimes what would happen is uh, the audience was really through with it before I was. (laughs) And that's, that's not good. Did you ever read it on stage? Try to like, so you could remember it and actually read it? (laughs) No, no. Although, um, I, you know, I did, when I first started out, I used to, um, I used to carry my folder onto the stage and I would glance at not, not a whole written out piece, but I would glance at the notes so that I could, because I have stress, um, it, it makes my memory just fly away. Yeah. And, uh, I mean, to this, to this day, uh, I, as I get older, I, I'm sure it's not helping. And by the way, have you read this tingle that, um, as a result of COVID, not necessarily as, as a result of having had COVID or having COVID, but as a result of living our lives in the time of COVID, and all the stressful things that we've been through as a result, um, they're finding that lots and lots of people um, are having memory problems. Okay. Have you read that? No, have you experienced I, it I've yourself? experienced memory problems. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> right, so, okay. I have to tell you a story. So I was, during the, during the stay-at-home order, I volunteered. Uh, I did a volunteer job one, one day a week. And it was indoor, outdoor, physical labor job. And it was on Saturdays. One day, they changed it, for whatever reason they needed to, to a Wednesday. So I go to my physical labor, indoor, outdoor, volunteer job. And uh, at one point, I'm taking a break. And I'm talking to a coworker, and we're leaning on a car in the parking lot talking. And as we're doing that, a guy that another coworker of ours uh, we, is running down the street towards us, waving a parking ticket, and uh, he's pissed because he got a parking ticket. And as soon as I saw it, I went, "Ah, oh, shit! It's Wednesday. It's not Saturday." In my mind, it's a Saturday, and Wednesday is street cleaning oh. day in Santa Monica. In front of my, you can't park. It's a seventy dollar ticket. I had no income at that point in my life. And I'm like, I cannot afford a seventy dollar mm. ticket, and I was flipping out. I was, I was like, God damn it, motherfucker! How, how? I was so angry. And my friend, who I'm talking to, she goes, Go home, go home and move your car. Um, and, and, and I said, No. I look at my watch. I'm like, No, it's too late. I've already got a ticket. And uh, then I think to myself, How did I get here? <laughs> you got your car. <laughs> We're leaning on my car. <laughs> but like that kind of yeah, stuff. Yeah, that's hilarious. Happens a lot now. Yeah. You know, where, uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm forever about to put something in the refrigerator that isn't a food. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <it> just, <laughs> I need to have a little, a little sign on the, uh, you know, like right inside the door of the refrigerator that says, you know, Take a moment. <laughs> That's so funny. Do your keys need refrigeration? <laughs> no. Uh, so anyway. So, uh, and by the way, I, I tell that story on stage. Um, 
because everything that happens is, uh, I, I scrape my life for content for the stage <laughs> the way a waiter uses one of those little metal sticks to clear the okay. breadcrumbs off your tabletop. Yeah. I, I, I mean, I am forever. I feel like I have like a Roomba in my head that just, you know, goes around all the time, like <laughs> trying to trying to suck up things that I, you know, that make for good humor on right. stage. And so the personal experiences, stuff just happens to you. You write it down. You remember it. I mean, that's a hilarious story. You're leaning on the car you think is being towed, and it's like. <laughs> Oh my God, you have to do that on stage. But some of the funniest stuff, uh, is this your experience, is the real stuff that has happened. You know, oh, absolutely. it's just like you're not yeah. writing, uh, making something up. It's, it's actually happened. Well, the, I think the other thing is that um, to me, one of the, you know, one of the best sort of kinds of laughter coming from the crowd are what I call, uh, uh, um, uh, wait, I can't even remember the word that I call it. Recognition laughter, where they go, "Oh my gosh, I did, yeah. maybe I didn't do that exact same thing, but I had that same process." And you know, one of the reasons why going out to go to a show, uh, be it a movie, any kind of show where you're sitting in an audience with a group of people, I think the reason that's so valuable, and we missed it so much uh, during the stay-at-home order is that sense of community, that thing that makes you feel like, oh, I am a part of the whole. It's not just me. And that, you know, that feeling that you're doing something yeah. or feeling something that is unique to you, but it's a bad thing. You, you know, you, you think, well, I'm the only asshole in the world. Mm -hmm. and, and it turns out, no, not at all. We all, it's so much of our experience is common. Yeah. And then when you hear somebody else address it, uh, it, it, it all of a sudden, it's it's funny in a way that it, it maybe never even was before. Um, I remember hearing some comic in New York. It was a woman talk about having a hair on her breast, <laughs> and I laughed until I cried because every woman has hairs on her breast. That's not a unique thing. But we don't all but go around. Is, we right? don't talk about it. Right. <laughs> you know, nobody right. brings it up. It's sort of right. awkward. Uh, it doesn't need to be, but social, right? Societally, it is. And so all those years, I had thought that I was the only one that had that. And so when I heard her talk about it, and she was really funny yeah. about it. Like, she was really funny because it bothered her husband. <laughs> and, and because her husband didn't uh -oh. know either that all women have that, you know? So all those things, they, when you get laughing at things like that, it reinforces that you are part of the group and we are pack animals. We are. And so it's very important to feel that you're part of the group. Yeah. You know, it's what, it's what junior high is based on. <laughs> right. So are you finding that your shows, the audiences are, uh... Pretty enthusiastic now coming back. Again, you're going to be at the uh, Martha's Vineyard uh, Performing Arts Center on the 16th of July and the 17th of July at the... Uh, uh, the Cape Cod Melody Tent. You talk about memory. 
in Hyannis. <laughs> Cape yeah. Cod Melody Tent in Hyannis. You might want to think about being a part of a comedy team. Because <laughs> How about you, you have somebody prompting you, and that's important. I might want to think about that. Um, Are you finding the audience is enthusiastic and feeling that pack yeah. mentality again and being grateful to be out? Oh, really, really grateful to be out, yeah. as am I. Yeah. Um, you know, it's funny when, so there was the 15-month stay-at-home order, which was just, uh, you know, who knew when things would, it was it's such a uncertain, awful time uh, for everybody. Interestingly, I think from those experiences and then the collective experience of having all been at home, I think something for me in terms of the heart of what I'm doing and the direction that I want to go in, I think I've had a slight shift in, in, in what I'm doing and the, and the way that I'm doing it. Um, for the better? For the better. Yeah. 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 Um, really, uh, I try to talk more about our communal experience. Mm -hmm. I try to talk more about my own personal struggles with uh, mental health mm -hmm. because all of these things are in Again, so much a part of the big right. picture. And the yeah. identification that the audience has with that, those topics, too. And to destigmatize, yeah. you know, things. I, I, I will say this, in terms of audiences, in terms of all of us, there's been a shift. There was a time where you could, you could yeah. talk about whatever you wanted, even politically, and people who disagreed with you politically would would still laugh, or maybe yeah. they wouldn't at that one part, yeah. but they wouldn't feel like, well, that's it. Yeah. That tears it, right? There was, a, there was a lot more room. And I feel that because I, I'm not secretive about my politics and never have been, but I, 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 I feel that there was this little period of time where that was happening to me here and there. Yeah. Like I remember a show in North Carolina, where, and people didn't just quietly slip out the back. They had to like, make a big, you know, stomping, you know, they're maybe even in the front. And that, and I kind of took a look at that and I went, you know yeah. what? I, I'm, I'm not <laughs> playing this game anymore. I, I, I'm going to say what I want to say. And now, especially after um, the 15 month period, I don't talk about politics every night. I do sometimes, but I don't do it every night. And I try not to saturate people in it because I feel like we, during that 15-month period, what were we doing oftentimes? Yeah. Like, for me, I doom scroll, scroll on Twitter a lot. I have MSNBC on a <laughs> lot. I listen to a lot of political podcasts. And so I feel like uh, if everyone else is doing what I'm doing or anything similar to it, we're a little drenched in it right now. And sometimes it's good to think about something else for a little while at the same time. Uh, yeah, absolutely. There, uh, it, uh, it, I, I feel so worried. Yeah. That if I'm telling people honestly what I'm thinking and feeling, then it's appropriate to say, I feel so worried about the blah, blah, blah. Right. Well, so, Paula, getting back to your point about the communal nature of uh, the, the shows, I'm finding that one of the best things we can do that I can personally do is to make people laugh, give them some hope, do, do my job, make them laugh, hopefully make them feel better. Yeah. But also say what you got to say, but just uh, not just alienate them. Because you, like you said, we're inundated with the news. We're inundated from every channel, every, every device that we have, at least I am. 
And sometimes, you know, even during the pandemic, I had to take a break. I had to get away just to go outside and be around things that are not flashing at me and telling me about breaking news and this guy and that guy and her and he and oh. It's just, and I think the audience is the same way. You know what you can do, though? You can install a speaker in a tree. <laughs> that way you're getting both. You know, I, I never took a break. <laughs> in fact, over the Christmas holiday, when um, all the substitute mm-hmm. anchors are on, I listened to all three of... Uh, Oh, who's the author? Rob Bob Woodward. Woodward. Yeah. Yeah. Bob, I listen to all three of Bob Woodward's uh, books about Trump because I wanted to be more depressed. <laughs> and uh, that, that seemed to help. Um, okay. Having said all this, I have to tell you something, uh, which is I have twice now performed at the Villages. And they're planning on having me back. And where is that again? That is the a, a place that is notoriously right wing. Yeah. In Florida. Right. Um, that is a uh, retire a, a retirement community that is sort of unto itself. Okay. Uh, they have their own stores. They have their own theaters. And it's now not they like have they their own leave. headliner, Paula Poundstone. And the reason you are Paula is because they love you because you're hilarious on stage, and you know. It, and even with those types of folks, you know, if it's funny, it's funny. We found enough stuff. <laughs> we found enough stuff that we have in common that we can yeah. spend the night laughing. Yeah, They probably have hairs on their breasts as well. Ex- exactly. They would, <laughs> they would never admit to it. In fact, I went to a support group for women with hair on their breasts, and I was the only person there. <laughs> Paula Poundstone, you can see her July 16th on Martha's Vineyard at the Martha's Vineyard Center for the Performing Arts and on July 17th at the Cape Cod Melody Tent in Cape Cod, Massachusetts. You can find all information about Paula Poundstone at paulapoundstone.com, including her podcast, Nobody Listens to Paula Poundstone. Paula, the next time you come back, we're going to talk about your podcast. I love talking about your process, how you develop things, your philosophy. You're getting better on stage. Some professions you diminish with time on stage or diminish in the profession. I find comics get better, more confidence, more uh, ability to connect with the audience, less mistakes, right? Yeah, I think that's true. My ping pong game has really (laughs) gone downhill. (laughs) You need a partner because you can't play ping pong by yourself. I have a machine that shoots the balls at you. <laughs> well, good to see you, Paula. Nice Thanks to so see much you for doing people. this today. We just want everybody to go see her on Cape Cod and on Moffat's Vineyard. Thanks, Paula. Love Thank you. you. Keep up the good work. I love you, Jimmy. Take and care. And you are the star of Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me. <laughs> wait till I tell them. Well, yeah. <laughs> Thank you for joining us today. This has been a Humor for Humanity production. Our mission is your mission. Humor for humanity at jimmytingle.com. Thank you.